You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. We're, we're delighted you're here this morning as we embark on this adventure of, of the new year. Um, I feel like I can still say Happy New Year to you. There's, there's some of you who weren't here last week. Welcome back to those of you that have been away and the, the students. It's just been remarkable even over this last week to, to watch and to hear some of the stories that have rippling out of some of you at the moment to hear of healings and an increase in opportunity and favor in conversations and interactions with people on the streets people in the workplace people you know and interact with i love hearing what god is doing among us your generosity for the last the lost and the least is really a growing expression of the kingdom and what an honor and a privilege to walk that out alongside you. Before Christmas, I was chatting with God about something. I said, Lord, would you give me more dreams? Would I would I have dreams, God dreams? And um, I shared that with a few of you. It's just been amazing to hear how a number of you have said you've, you've had dreams or people you know are having dreams. And wouldn't we pray for more this year? Lord, give us dreams, give us encouragement, give us insight into people and the lives of those around us. But this morning I want to start a new series called um, Keep On. If nothing else, I just want to say that, keep on. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep on. We can't allow ourselves to be distracted. Keep on keeping on. I'll explain uh, more in a minute as to why I think we're going to do this series and what it's about. But before I really launch into that, can I just give one of you something. I don't want this to be weird or awkward. This isn't just something I want to give you as a talk illustration. This isn't a trick. It isn't something I'm going to ask for back. Um, This isn't something that's going to come with any strings attached at all. I'd just love to give one of you 20 quid. And um, now you don't have to. I say there's no strings attached. You don't have to, but I would love to know why you might want it. Um, so what I don't want to know is what you're going to spend it on. That's, that's up to you. I'm just curious. I'm curious why you might get out of your chair in front of everybody else and come and get it. So basically, first come, first served, here's 20 quid. He wants 20 quid. <laughs> Steve, there you go. Don't, there you go. Steve, don't, no, you, you don't have to tell us. You might want to tell us why you want it. You don't have to tell us what you're going to spend it on. Well, I always think if you're given something, it's to give it away. Oh, Steve. <laughs> You've read my whole talk. No, you're so, <laughs> so, I reckon Paul might be able to guess where this is going. This is going to Hope in Action. Oh, there you go. Seamless plug for Albania. Oh, very, very generous. Um, yeah, fascinating. There we go. That was fun, wasn't it? Um, now, that said, I've got another one. Um, so, would anyone else like 20 quid, no strings attached? Um, anyone want 20 quid? Wow. None of you want 20 quid. You feel like the strings attached, don't you? Zoe, what, hold on one second. Just grab a seat. I'm going to give you the 20 quid. Um, but before I do, let me just hold on a minute. I've just got a biro. I'm just going to scribble on it a little bit. I'm sure... No one from the Bank of England is going to watch this. Actually, that's not done a great job. I'm just going to put a 
you might be. I'm just going to put. A, I'm not writing anything special. I'm just defacing it a little bit. <laughs> it's one of those old ones. You know the new ones. You can't really do this. I had to find an old one. Permanent marker. Hold on. <laughs> not nothing special. I don't think I'll get in trouble for this. I might do. Hold on. Bit of apple juice. <laughs> it's it's on it. Just a couple of tears. Hold on. I won't go silly because I might get in trouble. I've not got a cold. Hold on. <laughs> That's all right. Hold on a minute. <laughs> I don't know what I've trod in, but... Hold on. Nearly there, nearly there. Thanks for volunteering, Zoe. You're so, so kind. That's not too... That, I don't think that's too bad. Yeah, properly, OK. It's got a good wipe now. There we go. Give Zoe a clap, because she's been very kind. There we go. That was that was fun. Do you know, with you both, I might be wrong, but I I think you wanted the twenty quid because it's twenty quid. Now don't call me Sherlock, um, but I'd say that's why I think you wanted it. And the one that I just gave to Zoe's got a few knocks and bruises and rough edges to it, but it's still worth. 20 quid. Now, I might be wrong. I'm, I'm fairly sure you can go into the bank and you could exchange that one that I've just defaced and they would give you another 20 quid that hasn't been ripped up or slightly defaced. I guess what I really want to say is some of you will have come here this morning feeling slightly battered, bruised, torn, scribbled on through the comments and the interactions of life, trampled underfoot by the pains and the heartaches and the disappointments and the missed opportunities and the unfulfilled dreams and the doubts that you might have. Some of you will have come here this morning comparing yourselves to others and drawn the conclusion that really you have no place at the table, that you don't fit and that you can't fit. And I want to say, in the eyes of Jesus, we're all worth exactly the same. Didn't you love that song we sang this morning about being the same? Powerful, phenomenal words. In fact, I want to even go a slight step further to say that for some of you, as a result of the pain, you've been through to get this far to where you are today. You might, not necessarily, but you might be more willing and ready to acknowledge if you choose it, to see it this way, that you're willing to exchange who you are for who he says that you are. Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Your worth isn't diminished, it isn't depleted, it isn't lessened, it isn't robbed because of the pain and the frustration and the heartache or whatever it might be that you would feel you're carrying this morning. And I want to start this new year by reminding you of who you are, of your worth and your value. For God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to rescue you and give you life. Keep on. Keep on in your faith. Discover more of who he is and more of who he created you to be. Keep on understanding 
and realizing your worth, your worth to him. The enemy is a sly dog and he tries to rob you of knowing your worth. And I want to say no more. Keep on keeping on. So well, why this series, I want to base this series on the book, uh, a book in the Bible called Ephesians. And the book is written to an actual place. Like all books in the Bible, so often we can read them and we don't fully get the heart or the context of them. Understanding the context means that you, you feel it and you start to imagine the city and the implications for the people to which it's written to, but also how that might then apply to us. Well, the city of Ephesus is one of the leading cities in the, in the Roman Empire. It had a major road that ran through it. It had a harbour and an international port. It was a place that paved the way for fresh thinking. So much of what was happening spiritually, um, many cults at that time were, were rising. It was the financial centre of, of the area. One of the, the temples was, was known as the banking capital where Caesar would store his money. It was a seen really as a political centre that expressed the will and the power of Rome. It was the cultural equivalent, you could say, to somewhere like New York or London or Manchester, to be honest. And I want to I look at this series because in, in many ways the Ephesians, or the book of Ephesians, gives us a clear description of what the church should be. Have you, have you ever asked yourself, what's the mission of the church? What should the church be called to be? If I was a passionate, passionate engaged follower of Jesus, what, what would this mean to me? And I think reading this, therefore, has implications for us. The book affects marriage, it affects community, it affects parenting, sexuality, singleness, racism, closing socio-economic gaps, spiritual warfare, demons, cultural centre. It's kind of all in here. It's a phenomenal book. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's, it's a living power. And we want to know and we want to express that living power. Paul is interested in freeing people from the power that has gripped them in the city that they live in. So much of the book of Ephesians is talking about and reflecting on power. He wants the, the people of Ephesus to have power to overcome the powers and the strongholds of the city. God's heart for us is that we would have power to overcome the context that we're in. He cares about the power of the Holy Spirit, but he's not content for that just to be information. He wants that to be transformation and for us to experience and know and to, to live that out. We need to see the kingdom of God breaking into this city as a lived out reality. So when you think about the church, this church, and when you think about Manchester, I want to ask us, how big is our vision? Because all we think about, if we're not careful, is gatherings and groups and logistics. We, we want to be the kind of people that lift our eyes up to Jesus and get a sense of his heart and his care and his compassion for this city. To be, to be people that sit with Jesus and say, Lord, what's your heart for this community? How ready then are we to respond to Jesus. Now for us to be that, to live that out individually and collectively, I think we need to know our worth. We need to remind ourselves of who we are and whose we are. 
And today I just want to start really by reminding you of your worth. And then I want to press in and look at some of Ephesians, particularly chapter 1. We're going to have to skim over it today because of time, but I'd encourage you to dig in further for yourselves. For the next few weeks, we're going to sit in this book, and if you, if you have time, I'd encourage you to spend some time reading it. So let me just read Ephesians chapter 1. Bear with me, it seems quite long. It's not actually that bad. I think it's just my Bible is a large print version. My eyesight is somewhat suffering. It says this, this letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God chose us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we will receive an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles who have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you with his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of you and your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will be able to understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, seated in, in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself 
gosh, we could spend some time in that, let alone just this week. This this passage is so rich. I'd encourage you to go back and go back again to it. I just want to pull a few things out. I want to encourage us this morning to be faithful followers. Faithful followers. In verse 1, Paul writes, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Would it, would it be said of us at this time, in this church, in this city, in this location, for us as individuals in the workplace, wherever you find yourself, would we be faithful followers? Would we keep on keeping on? Faithful followers, what a reputation to give those guys. Ephesus is one of five major cities in the Roman Empire, and Paul kick-started the, the church plant, and he's writing this letter to them whilst he's under house arrest in Rome. And at one point previously, he stayed with these guys for the best part of three years. It's a people he knew, it's a people he loved, a people he cared about. I would say it's a location that had significant potential for impact, but it was also a location that presented many great challenges. And he writes to them and he says, you are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And my prayer, without going any further, is, Lord, please let that be so. Would that be true of me? Would that be true of you? You know, just after Christmas, we're putting away some of the Christmas decorations, and our daughter was, was desperate to help. And we've got this one decoration I'd never really noticed before, but somebody had given it to us, and it's a lot of handmade little Christmas trees that are cut out of thin card, I guess, and strung together on a bit of string and there's about 20 of them and as I'm taking it down Steph said oh just be careful with that one it's a it's a bit delicate and so my daughter and I we took it down and we just piled it in a little pile and uh, I thought I'll take it upstairs and put it in the box and whatever you and who knew right that going on the 13 steps upstairs without touching it that somehow this delicate little thing would wrap itself and tie itself in about 30 billion knots and so we got upstairs and I'm like what has just happened and my first thought was oh well that's the end of that and I quickly realised it was worth slightly more than that to Steph. And so I volunteered myself. I did actually volunteer myself. You'll be like, oh, she volunteered, you know. I volunteered myself to unpick it. And I actually quite like doing things like that. Um, it's a bit odd. But I'm like, a couple of minutes, everyone's hero. And after about 20 minutes, I'm trying to untie this thing. I've hardly untied one Christmas tree. In fact, I think I've made it a lot worse and a lot more complex and I'm starting to doubt whether or not it's worth it you know like is it really worth my my time and the kids aren't taking too well to me doing it so after about 40 minutes I've 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 got a few unraveled but I've now got to that awkward point where I'm like this is really not worth it everything in me wants to just bin it who gives a monkeys about this thing but equally I've just spent 40 minutes of my life that I can't get back and so I've got backache, my wrist is numb, I'm, I've like resorted to using a pair of tweezers to try and unpick the jolly thing and like my eyes are going a bit fuzzy from looking at the thread so I've put my glasses on and the kids are playing um, Greatest Showman full volume jumping on the bed trying to get me to do the same and I'm like trying to commit to this thing with everything within me. There is now no way I cannot do it because I'm stubborn and I've spent 40 minutes. Such a waste of my life if I don't achieve it and um, 
Steph's kind of like keener than ever that I pull it off and the kids are keener than ever that I just give up and bounce on the bed. So an hour and a half later, I'm still going strong, not really making a lot of progress. I, honestly, I know how to have fun, don't I? And anyway, I'm down to then like, I don't know, like the last four or so to, to unpick and the end is, on, is in sight and the children have swung the other way. They're like, yeah, of course you're going to do it. It's going to happen. And, you know, Sometimes in our lives, we can be in an absolute mess. Such a tangle. There's pressures and strains and weights on us. There's, there's things that just cause us to want to throw in the towel. What, what's the point? I'm in too much of a mess. Or that person I know is just too tangled up. But don't you want to be a faithful follower? Don't you want to just keep on keeping on? in your own life, in the walk of those around you, in our investment and our lean into this city. Nobody said it'd be easy. Nobody said it wouldn't come without significant challenges and difficulties. But the main thing I wanted to say is keep on keeping on. Keep being a faithful follower of Jesus. The second thing is, verse 4, God loves us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Can I remind you of that this morning? God chose you. He chose you. And just, just for a minute, just let that sink in. He chose you. I regularly remind myself, he's my father. He's my father and he loves me. He's my father. He chose me. And I don't need to fight, I don't need to wrestle, I don't need to grapple with who I am and what my worth is or my identity because he chose me and he chose you. You know, over Christmas we moved around a few places visiting various members of the family and caught up with people all over the country and I kind of feel like I need a holiday now from what was meant to be the holiday but not the... Christmas presents is what Christmas is all about, so don't hear me wrong just by talking about a few Christmas presents, but there was a few things that I wanted to the point where I bought them for myself before Christmas in the hope that family would give me money. Have you ever done that? You're so desperate for it, you just buy it and, hey mum, I know it's only April, but do you want to help? Um, I think we've all done it. Or you pull the resources of the family so that the money comes in for the centralised present, that kind of thing. Anyway, there's, there's this moment on Christmas Day where everything around me was chaos and everyone's opening presents and I had this stark realisation that I didn't have a present. And not only that, nobody noticed that I didn't have a present. And not only that, but the conversations we'd had about them giving me money, nobody had kind of followed through on and it wasn't forthcoming. So as we moved to the clear-up stage of all like the wrapping paper and that kind of, you know, people get then quite obsessive now with what's going in which bag for recycling. My, my heart kind of sank and I, I felt incredibly alone. Now, don't get the violin out, that, you know, because actually that wasn't the reality. We'd spent Christmas Day at a few places and I'd opened presents in a previous place and we hadn't even taken everything with us because we couldn't fit it in the car because we prioritised the kids. But in that moment... <laughs> Honourable. In that, in that moment, I, I kind of let my mind run to a place that it didn't need to go. Now, if you apply that wider in life, have you ever done that? I don't really belong there. Have you ever done that? No one would even notice if 
I wasn't there. And actually, I'm only here or I'm only valued because of what I do, not because of who I... Actually, nobody would care if I slipped out the door. Nobody cares for my needs. I don't know who to sit down with. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to relate to. You know, the bait of Satan is that he tries to undermine the fact that you're chosen. And I just want to remind you, you're chosen. Verse 5 says, God decides in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Jesus adopts us. You know, adoption is phenomenal. It's really quite remarkable because it's a choosing Adoption is a choosing. He chose you. He doesn't just adopt you to himself. He adopts you into family. And the passage says this is what what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to choose you. And just because maybe at times you feel you've been trodden underfoot, you've been ripped up slightly and written on, just because you feel knotted up doesn't change the fact that he chose you and your worth is the same and no insecurity, no vulnerability, no comparison with others is ever going to change that. Verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's the gospel right there. There is the goodness of Jesus right there as we embark on the new year, he purchased your freedom and he forgives your sins. He chose you. This is a new day, a new year, a new start. And I'd say go again. Keep on keeping on. He chose you. He lavishes it on us. He doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Verse 13, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Jesus chose you. Will you choose him? Because when you do it and lock something, he identifies you as his. You find your identity in him. You start to realize you're his. He adopts you through Jesus into his family. We can't do this alone. This is, then becomes a family thing. There's, there's no place I'd rather be than that. Somebody wrote a song about that. But, you know, a number of years ago, I, I used to be um, a youth group. I nearly said I used to be a youth group. I didn't. I used to be a youth worker. And uh, this, this youth group at this particular time was absolutely buzzing. You know, when you get a group of young people in a, in a room where they're just passionately pursuing Jesus, it's, it's really quite something. And I love what... Um, there's a bit of a tune playing out somewhere, right? Um, I love what God did on, on, on a youth group night when they met together. Anybody who would turn up basically everybody else who was already in the room would stand up and shout and clap and welcome and cheer that person who was arriving into the room only young people would do that it was phenomenal (laughs) now that's probably an introvert's absolute nightmare but honestly it was amazing the love and the affirmation and the sense of welcome like the 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 way that just communicated we are delighted you're here the it was really something quite powerful. Anyway, this, this one 
one of the youth, he had this mate um, who called himself an atheist and that was like his name and we were like he's actually called Andy but he called himself a, an atheist so he came for the first time even though he knew this other lad he he turned up on his own and um he's come up the steps of this like um old fire exit metal staircase and he's he's walked down this very narrow corridor that led you into into the room into the back room where as he walks in there's like 30 of them already there now some of them knew him vaguely from school. This one lad that invited him knew him well. Most of them had never seen him or met him before in their life. And, and suddenly everyone jumps to their feet and they start clapping and cheering and shouting because this one lad, Andy, has joined us. Now, he froze, as you kind of would, and his face was like deadpan. And uh, the room falls silent. And this lad that knows him, that invited him, said, Hey, Andy, great, you could make it. And I'm like, oh gosh, it's Andy the Atheist. Uh, what do we do now? Everyone's clapping and shouting and he thinks we're a cult. Um, so I'm kind of thinking all of this and the room's silent for quite a long time for young people. And he says, hi everyone. And then he starts clapping and cheering. And then everyone else starts clapping and cheering and now throwing cushions and all sorts. It's, it was really quite barking mad. I don't think I've had an experience like it in my life. But do you know what? And I kid you not, within a week, he gave his life to Jesus for the first time. Nobody hit him with a Bible. I don't know whether anyone does do that. D don't. Nobody sat him down and like had a big chat with him. Nobody worked through that I'm aware of at that point all of the questions that he might have had. He just saw something of the love and the acceptance and the affirmation and the community among the people of God that loved him for who he was and the stage and season of life that he's in. He chose you. And we cheer and we celebrate that you're part of us. Keep on choosing that identity that you find in Jesus, that identity that we just see a snapshot of here in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1.3, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1.4 we're holy and without fault. 1, 5 to 6, we are adopted as God's children. 1, 7, our sins are taken away and we're forgiven. 1, 10 to 11, we're brought under Christ's authority. 1, 13, we are identified as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility, I would say, to share that with others. Other people need to know they're chosen. I've, I've read from a few different sources recently that apparently a quarter of people, one in four people that are invited to consider church, say yes. Just think about that for a minute. One in four people that are asked to go to church accept the invite. Just imagine the difference that would make in your life if one in four people in your family or one in four people in your workplace or one in four people on your street said yes this year to consider Jesus. If we had a vision to shape a city, just imagine if a quarter of the city awakened to Jesus. I, I watched a video over Christmas. I couldn't find it. I'd have loved to have shown it to you. It was that this child for Christmas was given by her parents a certificate of adoption by the end of the clip, she's crying. The parents are obviously both crying. It, it was deeply, deeply moving. 
we get this opportunity to show people that they are adopted by Jesus into his family. Why would we not invite them to consider him? Who will you pray for this year? Who will you invite? One in four say yes. Verse four, God loves us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. He chose you. Man, sit in that for a while. Final thing I want to say this morning, I think this is an overarching theme for this chapter particularly, but I really want to draw it out, and it's this, unity. Verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ. We are united in Christ and therefore with each other. Verse 11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan because we are united with Christ. You know, as we roll into this new year, keep on keeping on, but we've got to fight for unity. We've got to realise that we're adopted into the family at different stages. And that means whilst we're worth the same, some of us have been battered and bruised along the journey and we'll continue to meet more people whose story would be the same. You'd, you'd never think of treating an adult the same way you treat a child or a toddler or a baby. At each different stage in life, people have different needs and different responses. And we have different ways of interacting. And I believe that is a helpful way of viewing our collective discipleship. We're all operating here at different levels. And we need to have an awareness of that as we interact with each other. I think it's so easy just to bump into each other, to find things to trip over each other about, to harbour and hold on to, you know, a misaligned comment or a, something that could take root and have bitterness, wherever the, the, just the bait of Satan would stick a hook in your life. I think the, the rise of social media has really done us no favours with that. Culture is so quick to criticise and to, to pass judgement and find the negative and the failures of other people as we compare ourselves with others. The, the enemy doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. You know, I, I often reflect regularly, actually, on the, on the disciples as a group of people, a group of who were so close to Jesus, physically spent time with him, and yet they argue about who's the greatest. You know, just this last week I read Matthew 16, it says this, later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they'd forgotten to bring any bread. Standard Jesus, he uses a moment of practical life to bring some spiritual truth to a situation. Watch out, Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, at this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. I, I know, I'm like, that is, honestly, it's almost comical. A bunch of guys hanging out with Jesus, seeing life-changing moments and opportunities, seeing it all firsthand, and they're arguing about bread. And that's kind of... On the back of Jesus says to them, why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftover you picked up? 
or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up. Yeah, I think the point he actually was trying to make was completely lost on them because they've just found another way to bang their heads together with each other. The, the, the challenge is I actually did laugh when I read this. I'm like, they're arguing about bread. I mean, come on. The, the, the challenge is I don't think we can say it's just them because it's not. We're capable of getting bogged down in this silly stuff too. We've got to be on our guard for it because it limits a free flow of the Spirit of God. We need to seek unity. It's okay to have differences, but we've got to be on our guard for where that leads to division and where the enemy seeks to get in. Our unity is Jesus. It's because of Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep on keeping on, and we've got to keep on getting on with each other. Verse 23, the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. You know, we're a body. We're a collective body. The image of the the body really shows the church and its call to unity. Each member is involved with the other member as we go about doing the stuff that Jesus said that we're meant to do. We should not attempt to work or serve or worship on our own. We need the body. We need the entire body. What does it look like this year to keep on in unity, to hold short accounts? to forgive each other quickly, to choose the best in each other, to choose to see and believe the best, to choose to realise that we're all at different stages and to have grace and acceptance, to choose to speak well of that, to choose to cheer and champion and see the advancement of the other over and above ourselves. You know, as I was unravelling that little Christmas decoration, it was painful and it took a long time. But at the end of it, I'd, I'd restored what was knotted and what was unidentifiable to what it was meant to be. It's worth the pain of the journey. Will you commit again to each other? Will you keep on keeping on? Faithful followers, chosen and adopted, living and serving in unity under Christ who is the head. Would this be the year that we boldly step out into all that God has for us for the sake of the city? Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Thank you.